Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to Just Know Though. We are wrapping up the Health and Hustle series and for today's episode we have Jose with us. Jose is the head coach at ATG and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what ATG is. What's going on guys? So again, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to hop on this podcast. So ATG, um, it stands for Against the Gain and the name really came from Against the Grain, just kind of going around what fitness is usually look like. So when I was hopping into the fitness industry, I noticed that there was a lot of quick fixes. There's a lot of fad diets, detox teas, 30 day plans. And to me, I was like, this is not the solution, right? Like we have to find something that's going to be a lifestyle shift, something that you can keep for a long time. So for us, we wanted to build a company. We wanted to provide people with like the education to be able to, you know, actually keep this as a lifestyle and not actually lose the weight and then just gain it right back. Because as a society, like we've learned that losing weight isn't hard. It's always maintaining that, you know, that weight off because We've seen it with our families. You know, you'll see somebody lose the 20 pounds. Three months later, you're like, hey, what happened? Like, oh, I fell off. Life got busy. It's just always a consistent cycle. And for us, like, we truly want to break that cycle. We want to make sure that you can learn what you're doing and show you exactly what's going on in the background. So whenever we're gone, right, because coaching isn't forever, we're going to show you. And then once you're off on your own, you can continue these habits and you can continue moving forward with your life. That's so cool. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think Jen and I were, were over here like nodding like yep uh we've been victim <laughs> detox to- keys. yeah it is that I, don't, I think that's still a thing you know but yeah. there was a hot minute where it was all over the place and yeah. I think a lot of people wanted that quick fix and it is like enticing right and I love how you said coaching isn't forever because you do have to regain that control of your own habits, your own health, and not really depend on a coach forever. So I love that. I actually love, I didn't know it stood for against the grain. Yeah. So it stands for against the gain. And I really oh, just, kind of, yeah, I got it off against the grain because okay. again, we're trying to just really break the molds that are pretty much built in the fitness industry right now. Let's just kind of start things off with, let me ask you, Jose, how would you define health and hustle? I feel like when it comes to the hustle, we, as a society, like we think that like we have to give up everything to hustle. We have to give up our health. We have to give up, you know, trying to make time to make nutritious food. At the end of the day, like it doesn't have to be that way. You have to find the the middle balance between it all because if your health is not in a good position, you're probably not going to perform your best in whatever it is your job that you're doing, right? So for me, it's like, how can I take care of my body? So I can perform the best and be the best version of myself. So when I show up to work and I show up to what I'm doing for my purpose, I am the best I can. That's what it means to me. So Jose, would you say that you think that there's a a correlation between fitness and like nutrition and mental health? 100%. And I love that you brought this up because for me as a coach, so physical transformations are honestly amazing. Like I love them. But the one thing that I love most about what I do is seeing these people prosper in their life because of fitness and nutrition, right? Once you start taking care of the two things that you always have under your control, because I tell people all the time, like whether you want to accept it or not, like you're always in control of, you know, what you decide to put in your mouth when it comes to food. You can always decide whether you want to work out for 10 minutes or half an hour, go for a walk. It doesn't 
doesn't matter. And these two things are always under our control. Whether we decide to do them or not, that's completely up to us. When it comes to like taking care of your mental health is like, why not focus on the two things that are going to help you just become happier, become healthier, become more confident and more energized in anything you do instead of focusing on all the other stuff we can't control. And once you really start focusing on yourself and you start proving to yourself that, look, I can stick to a diet, I can stick to my training, I can stick to my walks, like your confidence and your mental health is just going to skyrocket. I've seen it again and again and again. And that's why I tell people all the time, like, you can't just skip the the nutrition, skip the training and just want to have like a good mental health. It's all part of it. It all correlates together. Yeah, for sure. I think I would probably speak for a lot of people in saying that eating right is probably the hardest part of it all. Like I can go to the gym, I could do this, all the reps, but having to think out what I'm going to eat, especially if I have never been programmed to eat that way, like whether it was how I grew up and like, or just, you know, maybe I don't know how to cook. Healthier. <laughs> I always go back to like, that is the hardest part. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I don't know. Half of like, when it comes to nutritional value and like food and like cooking and constantly trying to figure out what to do. So I'm right there with you, Carla. I'm like, um, I'm just guessing at some point. I'm just copying whatever I see on Pinterest, yeah. um, things like that. Yeah, no. And, and I'm glad that you brought it up. And you talked about kind of like how it comes from like childhood. And it really does. So if if you look at Hispanic households, like what do they have at home all the time? Like you're cooking with tortillas. oil. You have tortillas. You have pan dulce. You know, at the middle of the night, you're like, cool. Like, let me, let, let me get a glass of milk. Let me get some bread. Right. So a lot of these habits that you actually get from childhood stick to you. Right. And it's up to us again to like break that mold of like, hey, you know what? Like my parents had this different, you know, type of eating or what can I do to break it? Right. And when we take a step back, like our parents, like they didn't, they probably didn't grow up with a lot of money. So they're just like, you got to eat everything that's on your plate. (laughs) So your mom's telling you all the time, like, hey, eat more, eat more, eat more. And then you get into this consistent basis of just kind of like over consuming. Once you start really noticing like what your nutrition is, you're able to change it. And like you guys mentioned, like nutritional value. So when it comes down to like tracking food and all this stuff, like it is a little tedious. It is a little bit harder at first, but the way I like to put it is, you know, Hey, you're saving for a house. You're not just going to go on the market. You're not just going to be like, Hey, I want that house. Not knowing your budget, not knowing how much money is coming in or not knowing how much money is going out. It's the same thing with your nutrition right? It's calories in versus calories out. If you look at it that way and you look at it in the importance of like, okay, the house, right? Your body and and that, you know, dream body you're chasing, are you going to budget or are you just going to wing it? Okay. I see where he went there. Okay. And one of the coolest things too, when it comes down to it, like I said, coaching isn't forever, right? It's the same thing with tracking. It's not forever. Once you actually learn what's coming in, once you see, you know, your food portions, you're able to, you know, just eat mindfully. You're able to go away from like having to weigh everything and you can Mm -hmm. still enjoy yourself, you know, know what's good for you, know what you should probably stay away from, you know, on a consistent basis and still have it, you know, every once in a while. But it's the it's the knowledge of actually just knowing what's on your plate. And then once you do know that your life is so much easier, right? Because I've had a few people that start with me once they track for the first week, they're like, hey, I had no idea I was eating a thousand calories at Applebee's. And I was like, yeah, that's half your calories for the day. Yeah, calories is they can be scary. But it's it's a skill you definitely have to learn if you know if you want to reach you know a good healthy state. So is this something that you? 
train your clients on? Are you like you teach them how to to measure all of these yeah. calories and nutritional values? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So, I mean, when it comes to like tracking, when it comes to all this stuff, so I know at first, like I said, it seems very tedious. So for us, like we're always trying to meet the client where they're at, right? If someone's a busy mom, they have four kids. They're going to soccer practice. They have a full-time job. I'm not going to tell her, hey, you know, carry your scale everywhere and like weigh everything you're eating. It's like, you know, let's start with hand portions. Let's start with something that's very minimal, but still going to keep you in a calorie restricted manner where you're not over consuming and you're not just saying, hey, I'm going to eat whatever. I think the biggest thing that like I I really want to point across is just learning it. Because if you do learn what is going on like within your nutrition and what's making you feel good, then you're going to be able to show up a lot better because... You mentioned, right, um, you know, the eating. A lot of people don't actually realize that, you know, when you're consuming a lot of like highly processed foods, like your gut is your second brain. If you aren't taking care of your gut, guess what? You're probably not going to be thinking as clearly as you could. You're probably not going to be showing up as best as you can. So it's like, why not, you know, make sure that we're feeding our body what it needs to actually perform our best, right? Whether it's in the gym, whether it's out of the gym, right? And for that busy mom, if I can get her to start getting a lot more nutritious food, and she's not just slamming coffee, going, maybe having a meal at 1pm, dying around like three, and then at five, just trying to, you know, find whatever she can. And then, you know, most times, maybe like, kind of giving incentations or, or binging at night, it is important. And I honestly, like, love to teach it to anybody, and mm-hmm. everybody, because it's a, it's a skill you get to keep forever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I I definitely think that it's something it, it should be taught in school. Like it should be something that everybody has access to because I think what shies people away from it is it, it can feel intimidating at times. And I'm speaking even just from personal experience of like you see, you know, like you watch like these like health fitness people on YouTube or you watch how they like count their macros and all these things and it's like whoa, like this is, you're speaking a foreign language to me. So I know I'm the kind of person where it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm just not even going to try. Yeah, no. And, and, and like I said, it can be a little like tedious and daunting at first, but you know, that's why coaches are here. That's why, you know, we're good at our craft and we can see like pop out resources and give you guys everything you need to be able to follow through with it. Right. And it really comes down to, again, meeting the person where they're at. So for you, it's like, you know, what can we start off with, right? Because it comes off as like skills. You have to develop the skills and it's not just going to go from one to a hundred. It's like, all right, let's, let's gradually get you there. You know what I mean? Like, what do we have to work on first? Whether it's like, you know, hey, you know, you're not eating enough veggies. What we're going to do is we're going to just include some more veggies. That's it. I want you to focus on, on veggies, you know, three meals a day, right? Next week, we come back to it. All right, we're going to include some fruit, right? And it's simple little changes. And I think the biggest thing here is just like really finding what works for that person, right? Because everybody's different. So for you, I think probably what scares you the most is like, how do I fit this into my busy schedule? I think with that, the biggest tip I can tell people is always plan ahead. If you are someone that's very busy, and you know, you're going to have a long day ahead of you, like, Hey, what can I set in play to actually help me get like my nutrition in during the day, right? Whether it's meal prepping, whether it's having a restaurant that you know already has like healthy sources of food, you can do that. But if you don't prepare for it and you're just kind of winging it all the time, you're going to fall into the temptations, right? Like I said, that mom, if she doesn't eat till like about 2 p.m., she's probably going to go to the restaurant that's closest. And probably not the healthiest, you know? Yeah. And I would I would say that's probably the majority of people where life is busy 
And I think it seems like the easiest thing to check off the to-do list, whether it's like working out or like having to cook is just like, oh, okay, like I'll just skip my workout. I'll go order takeout because everything else needs to take priority. And, And I would almost imagine that during the pandemic that happened for a lot of people. And I don't know if maybe you can speak to that and how you saw it impact like the fitness world. Honestly, how do I put it? So I think the pandemic was a big wake up call for a lot of people when it came to their health, right? Because what ended up happening, like, you know, the gym shut down and everybody was stuck at home, right? So you're stuck at home, you're probably mindlessly eating. And then a few months into the pandemic, you're like, wow, I gained some weight. I can't go to the gym. I think it it was like a very sink or swim situation. And a lot of people like really caught themselves and they're like, okay, like, am I going to make the change? You know, and a lot of people did make that change. And, you know, some people are still waiting for the pandemic to be over. And I think the people that are waiting for it to be over, like have to just kind of realize that a change to your nutrition comes when you decide, you know, like you have to decide to chase a healthier body and decide to actually go into the gym. Like improvement isn't going to come um, in your nutrition if you're not chasing it, right? You have, you always have to show up for yourself. I think, I think the biggest thing that like, I want to just kind of like bounce off to is like a lot of people do put this in the back burner, but I do believe it should be a priority, right? It should always be a priority because without good health and without longevity, how long are you going to live? You know, what are the quality of life of years you're going to live, right? So when you put your health in the back burner for everything else, you're doing yourself a disservice, right? Because you can't show up as yourself. You know, your kids are watching what you do and they're mimicking it. I think when it comes to, down to it, like you always have to prioritize your health before anything else because you can't pour off an empty cup. Yeah, I think you brought up a great point. Jen's over here snapping her fingers. Um, I, I really like how you touched on like your kids are watching you and it's this cycle that kind of repeats itself. And, and yeah, I do think that kids see the way that, I mean, in all aspects, right? They We're modeling for them and we can't expect them to do anything different than what we're doing. So I think that's a great point. Um, I'm curious to know how, like, what would you say your best advice would be staying consistent? Staying consistent. So again, it goes down to like simplifying it for yourself. I think what happens um, when it comes to like consistency is people go too fast. So they go from zero to a hundred, you know, it happens so many times where they're like, okay, I want to start my fitness journey and they go straight into meal prep every single day, chicken and rice. And then six days in the gym. That's not, if you're not doing this for lifestyle, that's probably not going to work for you. So you got to find out like what actually works for your lifestyle. And like one of the biggest things I tell people all the time is like, don't fit your lifestyle around your workouts, fit your workouts around your lifestyle. Right? So again, if you're busy and you can only work, work out three days out of the week. Okay. Do three days. Right. If you can meal prep for three days at a time, cool. That's fine. Do three days. Right. You don't have to do every single day. As long as you're building little consistent habits throughout the throughout um, your journey, you're going to be fine. Find what truly works for you because if you find it very mundane and, and if you find it like you're restricting yourself, you're not going to want to do it. When it comes to nutrition, like I mentioned, a lot of people cut food out. I can't eat bread. I can't eat tortillas. So they're suffering. You know, they'll go they'll go to their family's um, house and they'll be like, "Sorry, sorry, mom. Like I can't eat tortillas." You know what I mean? So now they're dreading what they're doing, right? But if you allow that person to be like, hey, dude, you can have the tortillas, just make sure that during the day you kind of save some calories because you know you're going to your mom's house. Now you stay consistent through the day, 
and then you were able to enjoy yourself. You don't feel guilty. So the next day, guess what? You're like, cool. I just kick butt. I'm going to do it again. You know what I mean? And I tell people all the time to focus on the little habit shifts. And that's what's really going to build the consistency, right? Because a lot of people just think like, dude, well, I didn't, I didn't get to my goal in three months. You know, you put on this weight over five years. So it's like, take your time with it and realize every single win that you've done along the way. And every single win that you notice is going to help build more consistency because you know you're making the changes because you know you're improving. And as long as you can see improvement and you can see changes going on, no matter how small they are, that consistency is going to be there because you're excited to show up the next day. Yeah, I, I love that that you're framing it in a way that it, it really starts um, with your mindset. And then once you have that you know, under control, then everything else will follow. Yeah. At least that's that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, 100%. It does start with your mindset. Mindset and just kind of really starting small and like thinking long term because yeah. your fitness journey doesn't end. Like it never ends. You're always going to try and be the healthiest you can be, right? So why look at it as an end date? You know, people yeah. look at a diet for three months and it's like, you know, you can't look at it in that manner. Like your health is forever. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad that you talked about like you don't have to cut things out because you're right. If you're looking at it in terms of a lifestyle change, like what you're never going to eat bread ever again, like it's unrealistic. And I think when it starts to feel unrealistic is when people are like, no, like I can't do this. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like we're, we're all in that manner where it's like, you tell me I can't have something. Well, guess what? I kind of want it more now, you know? But if, if you do find that balance of like being able to go out, like enjoy drinks, enjoy food, you're going to be a lot happier with what you're doing and you're going to be more consistent with it. And there's always a healthy balance to it all, right? There's there's so many like, you know, diet tips and tricks that you could do because I have a client that she, she enjoys going to party. Like she enjoys having awesome weekends. Fine. I'll cut your calories throughout the week. And then on the weekend, like you can go enjoy yourself. And like she's seeing amazing progress, right? And a lot of people think that's just like, well, I can't have fun if I'm dieting. I can't go out. I can't go to my parents' house. And once you do that, like you're, you're restricting yourself and you're making yourself unhappy and you can't do that to yourself, right? You have to find what truly works for you. That and I think touching back on just kind of like cultural norms, I know this is something that I've experienced and maybe you guys have too, but when I start to kind of make a lifestyle change or try to, I get pushback sometimes like, Oh, like, no, like, what do you mean you're not going to eat? Like, uh, we made all this food or they kind of like guilting you into things. Or if you start to lose too much weight, like, oh, no, like you look too skinny now. And so I do think that it's it's learning, understanding the knowledge that then you can educate other people so that you don't have to feel attacked every time you start to make little changes. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, when I started weighing my food, my mom looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, what are you doing? Like. <laughs> had my little Tupperware, I was putting my chicken and she just looked at me funny. But I think the biggest tip I can tell for anybody like facing resistance or facing um, like something very similar to this is just be very straightforward with them. Be like, hey, look, I care about my health. So I want to get my health in check. I feel, you know, a little bit overweight. I'm not confident. So I'm making a change for myself. Once you tell them straightforward, like, hey, I'm not confident. I want to I want to make a change for myself. Like, I mean, what are they going to say? Every client that's ever had pushback, I told them, I was like, look, you know, talk to your parents, talk to whoever it may be. Just let them know that you're really trying to improve yourself and this is how it starts. And once they're able to tell them, like, 
they receive no pushback because at the end of the day, like, you know, the people that are around us, if they truly love us, like, they don't care. They're like, yeah, dude, like, do it. Like, you know, who doesn't want you to be healthier? Who doesn't want you to be more confident in yourself? Yeah, I think that it it definitely becomes an eye opener for the people around you. And I think it can either inspire people or it can make people defensive because they know that they should probably be doing that too. And they're maybe not quite ready to make that transition. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned this year, because I have been working like a lot on my mental health as well, is when you face pushback or someone like kind of being negative towards you, it's a projection of themselves. And if they see you being successful with it and they're upset, they're just upset because you're doing something they wish they could do, right? And when you take a step back and you realize like, hey, that's just the position they're at, you're not upset. You just know that you're still doing yourself and like you're doing everything you need to do to improve. And if that person is still upset with it, like that has nothing to do with you. I definitely think it takes a certain maturity level to get to that self-awareness and to understand that that's what's actually happening. And I don't imagine that it happens kind of just like from day to night for people. So I'm curious about how did you get here? Like what was your journey and that process? This is a good one. (laughs) Um, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit on a story a while back, but I think a lot of it was due to just kind of my past relationship. My past relationship was, I'm not going to lie, it was, it was a pretty toxic relationship. You know, her, herself, like amazing human, but us together, it's just, it wasn't good. And once I got out of that relationship, I just kind of stopped and I thought like, okay, you know, I could blame everything that happened on her and just take the easy route out or I can really figure out why everything it kind of like put me in this hole of just kind of like trying to really find my emotions find who I am and really find what made me happy so once I started digging into a little bit more self-help and started journaling started doing all this stuff that let me actually put like my emotions on paper and really dig through them I was able to really see what was going on and two years later now I'm like okay I can see why it happened you know, and it, it had nothing to do with me on some of these occasions, but I can, I now am aware of like why the problem like popped up. And I'm glad that I actually went through all the work because now I'm able to see it in a different manner. And I'm not hurt. I'm not upset. I'm, I'm not mad at any of it because I'm like, okay, that's what was going on. Honestly, like I'm still doing a lot of digging because to me, like, I think everybody should go through, through like self-awareness or, or doing the work, right? Because as a male, I think a lot of times like, Oh, if you don't go through your emotions, like, or if you go through your emotions, like, you're soft. You know, that's not what a man should do. You should never be asking for help. You should never be crying. Like, you should never be doing all this stuff. And it's like, that's further from the truth. A man that's vulnerable and, and is able to know their emotions, that's a strong man, right? Like, that's that's who you want as a partner. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I had a time for that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're so glad that you mentioned this. One, it's men's mental health month and two I, you're right i not enough people are open about this and willing to share what their journey has been it sounds like you kind of went through this self-discovery on your own but yeah i i think that you hit it on the nail that a lot of times there's this misconception showing emotion showing weakness or showing emotion is showing weakness i wholeheartedly disagree you have to know yourself if you don't take the time to know yourself like like you're never going to show up as your best self. I did do a little bit through myself, but I honestly, like once I started reaching out for help, that's when I started making like the big steps and I started learning a lot more. So like when I hired my coach, she would ask me some hard questions. Like she would be like, why, why? And like, she would dig this hole of me being like, 
well, I'll get back to you tomorrow. I got to do some digging, you know, through going, like going through that with her, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to take there. I want to see what that's like. You know, I want to see like where all these underlying issues are coming from. And like, once I started taking therapy, I was like, okay, this is good. To me, I think everybody should take therapy, right? And the way I like to put it is like, your mind's a garden. No matter like how kept up it is, like there's going to be weeds sometimes, you know, you got to go in there, you pull the weed, you're good again, right? And that's how I look at it. Like, there's always going to be something going on in my brain. So for me, it's like, okay, let me go through therapy for a little bit. Let me fix what's going on. Let me find the underlying issues. Okay, now I'm good. I can probably back off for a little bit. And then when I'm feeling it again, hey, let me reach out again. I think like reaching out for that help and helping, having somebody to guide you is like really what it's all about. Because for me as a coach, like I'm not doing the work for any of my clients. Like they're showing up for themselves, but I'm giving them, you know, the roadmap. Like here, this is how we do it. This, this is the guide for you. The work is still up to you. It's interesting how you frame that because you talked about coaching is not forever. Like the you're saying is that your goal is for your clients to be able to soak in as much knowledge from you and then go on and just carry on this lifestyle on their own. The same thing applies for therapy. A therapist, that is exactly what the goal is. It's the sense, like I always, to my patients make the joke, like I'm working myself out of a job because I eventually <laughs> want you to be able to have that self-awareness like remember the skills that you need to use in these situations and then, you know, put those skills into practice so that you don't need validation from other people. You don't need that reassurance that you're doing everything okay or that, you know, you need to use these tools in this situation. No, you got it. And it sounds like it's no different for working out. And I'm really glad that you framed it in this way because I don't think I've ever thought of fitness in that way before. I'd been pretty consistent with going to the gym for at least like a year now where I'm going like three times a week, every week. Something that I, I was just recently joking with someone about was like, man, like when when does it finally kick in where you actually enjoy working out? Because I've been doing this for a long time already and I just like, I do not enjoy it. Like it is not fun. I do it because I have to. And because I'm like committed to doing it, but I'm not like thrilled to go do some squats, you know, but now that you put it in this, you know, painted this picture, I, it makes so much sense. And I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I never looked at it that way before. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you're able to take that away. And like, dude, it, it really gets fun when you know exactly what you're doing. And when you actually see the progress, like just, just kind of scaling, you know, cause what I tell people all the time and like what I've noticed with a lot of my clients is like when they come in, most of the time, they don't really like working out. They don't, you know, they don't want to get into the gym. I have some clients that are, you know, they start off and they're like, I refuse to get in the gym. So I'm like, okay, we'll work out from home. Three months later, they're in the gym and <laughs> they're killing it, right? And it comes down to like being able to get those results because once they start seeing their body change, once they start really getting into like the weightlifting and seeing the PRs and seeing the numbers go up, what that's doing is like it's building that mental resilience because working out is hard. You know, when you're under the bar and like you're trying to get those extra reps, you're like, this is tough. If you can build that in the gym every day, guess what? You're going to be more resilient out of the gym. And like, that's the way I like to look at training sessions. Like when I go in, like, I'm not saying you should look at it this way, but I try and bury myself. Like I want to be hurting when I come off, when I come out of that gym, I want to know that I left everything in there. I feel that is like the biggest driver of my success because 
throughout my lifetime, I've built this mental resilience of showing up to the gym, giving it a hundred percent and like being under this heavy weight consistently to where now when like I'm stressed out outside of work, I just look at it the same way. It's just a little bit of stress. Like I've been here before. It just builds that mental resilience with it. So I think once you like really start going with heavier weights, so start squatting a little bit heavier and you're you're probably going to find a little bit more fun. (laughs) Trust me, my, my coach, he, he's like, you can do it, you know? And I definitely feel the challenge, but I'm just like, I don't know if this is ever going to feel like a hobby or like, and that's okay. I've come to, I've come to accept that I'm going to do it. And I'll, I'll give it my best when I'm there. Don't necessarily have to like love it. Yeah, and, and this comes back to like find what works for you. You know, I've had clients that, you know, didn't like weight training. They did uh, CrossFit and now they're, they're thriving. So I'm like, cool, like good for you. You know, it's finding like whatever it is that you're going to enjoy when it comes to like working out because I'm a big, I'm a, I push strength training very heavily because you know you know having muscle mass on your body is gonna like keep you from like you know from having a lot of uh, man i'm blanking right now having a lot of like cardiovascular diseases and it just keeps you um healthier as a whole right because it is anti-aging but if you like crossfit if you like hiking if you like biking like it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're active and as long as you're having a healthy nutrition, like you're going to live a long, healthy life. Picking what brings like the most happiness to you and then doing that on a consistent basis. Try CrossFit out. My brother-in-law owns a CrossFit gym. I don't, that one's not for me personally. I, I do like the strength and strength yeah. and conditioning. I, I think that's been the one thing that I've been able to stay consistent with. But I do think that like I, at least for myself, and I don't know, maybe Jen, if you want to chime in too, but I kind of go through seasons with things. Mm -hmm. Like there was a point in my life where I loved running. That was kind of like my thing, eventually kind of grew out of it. I think my schedule just, it didn't work out with that anymore. I was really into like cycling for a while. When I was living in a bigger city, I was going to Orange Theory for a while. And for me, something that I have found is that what has been the most consistent with for me is having someone who's coaching me who I like respect who I feel like their time is just as important as my time and they it's like there's a mutual understanding of that and so you have that accountability right and right now my coach is my cousin's husband and so he's like he's like family to me and it's dang I know that if I don't show up like I'm gonna hear it he's gonna make it 10 times harder for me the next time and that's what I I wouldn't expect him to do anything less so I think in all my years of working out I I've always kind of go back to him because I know that this is what works out the best for me but I do think you know I dip my toes into other places and I'm cool for a while but you're right I think you have to find what works for you and something that can be consistent in the long run no 100 percent. and I think a very important topic here too like for anybody that's like listening and like if you're thinking about investing into a coach find someone that's truly going to care I think like one of the biggest things that I tell people with my company itself is like, we look at you guys as friends. Like we want to know like what your lifestyle is, because if we know your lifestyle, we can help you a lot more. And if you look at us as a friend, like you're going to trust us a lot more when it comes to like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is the program um, and explaining to you everything that's going on. 
you're going to follow through with it, right? Because when it comes to accountability, if it comes off of someone that like you don't really respect or someone that, you know, you know, doesn't really care about you, you're probably not going to do it, you know? So like truly find a coach that like will care about you and like has your well-being in place, right? I think with that, like coaching is probably like the best thing you can honestly invest in. Like it doesn't matter what kind of coach because it is a shortcut, dude. You know, what you're taking away from that person because I, I think you guys can probably attest to this too, right? You guys probably have invested into like mentors or coaches, right? And what they have, their knowledge of like five, 10 years, you're going to learn it in months. And at the end of the day, like time is the only resource we never get back. You know, you can take five years to get to your fitness goal or you can invest into a coach and get there in a year. Would you rather give away money or would you rather give away time? That was a mic drop moment. First of all, the mental health. I really appreciate you saying that. I think it's men experience trauma too. Men experience the same things women experience. And I think acknowledging that is a sign of maturity. It is... I also think it's super attractive when men are vulnerable when it comes to what they've been through and understanding those emotions versus trying to have this, I don't know what it's called, you know, like just this like Like, cockiness or perception that they are best thing that's walked the earth. I don't know. So I appreciate you opening up about that because it is men's mental health month and super important. So thank you for opening up about that. I feel like Carla's on top of it. I have had the weirdest up and down fitness journey in a hustle season in a busy schedule. I stress eat, cope in different ways if I don't go to the gym. I recently also started going back to working out, I had like a dizzy spell for like 30 minutes. I think my coach thought I was like in shape. I don't think he knew that that wasn't for me. Uh, we just, he just went hella hard and I was like, Ooh, I'm dizzy. I got to sit down. I was literally in the stadium, like laying down on the bench because I just had dizzy spells. So it was also a piece of humble pie. And I'm actually glad I experienced that before having this episode with you, Jose, because it really made me appreciate uh, health professionals just in terms of knowing how your body works and knowing how your clients bodies are and their lifestyles because you know after that moment I think with anyone else I would have felt super embarrassed just embarrassed right because I'm like almost passed out I almost like threw up but he was you know really trying to get down to okay like what did you eat how's your blood sugar how's your heart rate and walk me through what you eat walk me through what you do I thought that was super important because I've never had a coach like that so I love how you touched on that too because it's not just what your body's capable of and how you look it's more so your nutrition that part is really exciting so I'm okay, I really got to, you know, do my homework and figure some stuff out. If I really want to be on a different, not just like performing in the gym for like an hour, hour and a half, it's more so like a whole lifestyle change. So you just said a lot, but I kind of want to know how you feel about uh, stress eating. And I say that because I, Carla, correct me if I'm wrong. Other people must experience that too during busy it's like a coping thing, right? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm over here like about to talk about it. Like... So I actually got to get over for you on this one. So stress eating is something that happens very, very commonly. And I'm actually someone that dealt with it, right? So a big reason why I dove into the nutrition aspect was because I did a bodybuilding show back in 2019. After that bodybuilding show, um, the nutrition approach I took was very, very bad. So it led me to binge eating. The binge eating turned into a coping mechanism as I would get stressed out. So whenever I was stressed, guess what would clear that up? Go for the cookies. Go for like calorie dense food. And it's very normal because I tell people all the time, like, you can't stress and you can't eat at the same time. Once you take that bite of the cookie, you probably feel like the tenseness just kind of drop. You know what I mean? And for me, like, that's the biggest reason why I hired my coach. And it took a lot of learning. But the thing here is like... 
again, going back to like learning your emotions and learning why it's going on, right? So when you're about to binge, like take a step back, what's going on in your life? Like, why are you stressing? And once you're able to find that stressor, you're like, cool, let me go get rid of it in a different manner by walking, by having a glass of water, by journaling, whatever that may be. You're able to take that power away from it because now you know what's going on. But stress eating is is a big thing. <laughs> yeah, Jen, for sure, it, it's very much a thing. And I, and I think something that there's a fine line, right? Because um, I won't go too much into like eating disorders because it's not my area of it's a little bit out of my scope. But I, I'm curious if Jose, you've ever had a client where you kind of felt like, oh, okay, like maybe there's a little bit more going on here. What would you? What would you? or any other coach kind of do in that situation where you maybe have a client who you suspect maybe is like restricting their eating or like purging? How does yeah. that tie into like the coaching world? Because I know as a therapist, like my my role in it, but I guess when we think of like a multidisciplinary team, we're not, we don't, we, we aren't so quick to think about like, oh, like, do they have a coach or is someone else like helping them? So yeah. I'm curious, like, what would you do in that situation? Um, so just like you mentioned, so if it's out of my scope of field, I have like people that I know, registered dietitians, mm-hmm. therapists, that I will reach out to and I'll be like, hey, you know what? I got this going on. This is out of my scope of practice. Like, can you help me out? Right? Because as a coach, there's there's so much we can do, right? So, I mean, we do help with like habits a little bit when it comes to like uh, learning your emotions, journaling, stuff like that. But if it goes any deeper, you know, I do stay in my, my scope of field and it's like, you know what? Like, this is something that I can't handle, but I know somebody that can help you with it. And then I can work with that person because I do have a client where all I do is nutrition, right? So I just work with, you know, making sure she's getting protein, making sure she's getting her vegetables, making sure that everything's on point. She has a therapist. She has an in-person coach that's helping her out because she did have an injury. Cool. Like she's all done. She's settled. I keep in contact with both of them and we're good. I mean, she's in a good position. I think here it's just like not overstepping and knowing like where your limitations are and being humble enough to be like, you know what, like, I can't take this on, but let me get someone that can, right? Because I have no problem referring people that, you know, I know I can't handle to my coach because she's a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. So it's like, she's going to be able to help them out way better than I am, right? And at the end of the day, as coaches, like, we're here to help you out. And if I can't do the best job to to help you out, I'm going to refer you to somebody else that will. Yeah, I think that's really reassuring to hear. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about of like, having that self-awareness and maturity level to be able to say like, oh, I don't have all the answers. Let me link you to somebody that does. Because I think we all know somebody who would have been like, oh, like I, I could do it. I can handle it. You know, it's really important to realize you could do a lot of damage if you don't know what you're doing. 100%. I think I think the biggest thing here is like, as coaches, like your health is our number one priority, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people come to us like, hey, I want to, I want to lose 30 pounds. We're going to work on getting you healthier. And when you get healthier, you're going to lose those 30 pounds by byproducts. Fix some habits. That's it. Do you ever find it difficult to tell client that their goals maybe need some tweaking? Maybe that's a little unrealistic for what you're asking. I'll be straightforward with them. So if they have, say they're trying to lose, you know, 60 pounds in six months, I look at like everything that's going on right now and their current situation. I know it's very unrealistic. I'll let them know like, hey, you know what? Like we can make you lose 60 pounds. It's going to take you about a year and a half. If you want to go through with it, we can definitely help you out because 
think at the end of the day, like as a coach, like you want to support the goal they have, but you always want to be realistic with them because if you're not realistic with that goal, by the end of those six months, if they didn't lose the 60 pounds, they're just going to be upset. Even if they lost 40 pounds or even if they lost 30 pounds, they're going to be like, well, I didn't reach 60. So having a clear game plan and letting them know like, hey, it's probably going to take longer than you expect, but you can get there. That's one of the most important things that you need to have as a coach because at the end of the day, like you're not hiring a coach to tell you you know, what you want to hear, you're hiring a coach to get you to your goal. True. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. 100%. Myself included sometimes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I think we all go through it, but I think, you know, as long as you're able to like really just show them like why it's going to take longer and show them the changes that are going to happen in between it, they're going to be okay. Um, I think when you just really shoot for unrealistic ex- expectations, that's where a lot of that stress and overwhelm comes from, you know, because they feel like they're not doing enough. They feel like they're not improving fast enough and they lose sight of all the improvement they have done. You know, they lost four inches on their, pound, on, on their pants. Mm-hmm. You know, if the nutrition just did a complete 180. If they're able to run with their kids now, they're like, cool, like you've made a lot of changes, but you just still haven't lost the 60 pounds. Definitely. I think that that can be, it, it does take having an, like a alternative outlook to be able to see how far you've come, not how much further you have to go. And that that's hard sometimes <laughs> because we always want it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would say even even in my field of work, the toughest thing is just realizing that it's not going to happen overnight. And I think a lot of people, patience is when you're trying, when you have a goal in mind and you're trying to get there, it can feel like an eternity, but it's like, no, like if you actually take a second to take a step back and look at how far you've come from where you started, like you'll see you've come a long way. And yeah, there may be still a lot more steps to go, but we're not at square one. And even if you do have a bad day and you do fall, you're not going all the way back to square one. You can pick up and start over the next day. 100%. I want to drop this in here because I know a lot of people will resonate to this one. Guys, if you have a bad day with your nutrition, like don't just give up the rest of the week. You know, if you wake up in the morning and like, you know, your breakfast like wasn't the best, like don't just say I'll start tomorrow. The way I like to tell people is like, okay, dude, like your tire popped. Are you going to go around and slash the other three? That's what it is. You know, you're like, cool. My breakfast was bad. Let me ruin the rest of the day. And like, no, just get right back on track. Doesn't matter. You know, as long as you're willing to get back on track, you're eventually going to get to your goal. As long as you don't quit and show up every day, you will get there. That's so funny. I needed to hear that. And when you say it like that, it's hard to argue. It's a different way to look at it. But, you know, it really is true. Like, don't just give up on the day just because you had one bad meal. You had one bad work. They're going to come. The journey is never going to be perfect. And like, if you keep chasing perfection, like it's never going to happen. You know, I tell people all the time, like, Mm -hmm. your nutrition isn't going to be perfect. It's never going to be 100%. Neither neither is your training. If you're searching for perfection, you're looking for a uniform. Like it doesn't exist. I I would also maybe argue that it needs to be a goal that you're pursuing for yourself and not either to like keep up with, I don't know, the people around you or because you're comparing yourself to what other people online look like. Because I think think that that really is going to be the the key, right? Like if you're doing it for yourself, then you're more likely to be committed. If you're not, then it's going to be really difficult to want to keep at it and put in the hard work. 100%. The the thing with comparison and because social media is so big now, like everywhere you look, you know, just Jack. Everybody has a BBL. Yeah. (laughs) 
Why work out when you can buy one? When you base yourself off something that's unrealistic, like, of course, you're going to be upset with your results, right? But dude, you have no idea what that person's journey or what they're doing, right? Because a lot of like fitness influencers, a lot of actors that have a certain body type because i'll get a lot of clients be like i want to look like this guy and i'm just like he, he's on anabolics like let's not go this route <laughs> you know so it's like when you compare yourself that to people like that like you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not in a competition with them you're in a competition with yourself right focus on your journey focus on whatever you have to do to improve you that's really what it comes down to i love that i love how you mentioned that because you know social media does add the comparison component to it especially when it comes to fitness right when things are everything's related to fitness or like something's like hyper sexualized or all about the image right because you have certain highlights that you're showing so I like that you mentioned that because I think that comparison opens up a realm of like self-doubt and you kind of mentioned that in your preform so I'm curious what advice would you give to folks who want to overcome self-doubt especially when it comes to starting a fitness journey or starting to be more healthy, like a healthier lifestyle? Yeah. So honestly, start small, right? So I, I talked about this already in the podcast, like you want to build these wins up slowly. And as you, you know, accomplish every small task, you're depositing into your confidence, you're, you're depositing into your self-esteem. And every time you don't do it, you're taking that, you're taking that, you're withdrawing, right? So when you set small tasks that are actually like reasonable and accomplishable, you're going to get them done. And then you're going to feel confident. And again, you're going to want to show up the next day. Right. But if you start big and you just kind of overdo it, then you're not going to want to show up the next day. It's going to be very overwhelming. Start small and start building these wins. And, you know, something I do for myself and it's going to sound a little, little weird. And what I do is like, I only set five tasks for the day. That's it. You know what I mean? And then after I get done with these tasks, I write a W. I won my day. Whether my day is done at 12, whether it's done at one, like, I won my day. Whatever I do the rest of the day, it doesn't matter. I did my task to move forward and you can do that with your nutrition. Hey, did I hit my calories? Did I hit my protein? Did I get some vegetables? That's three tasks. Cool. You just won your day. You know, and all this compounds as you start doing it more frequently, it just becomes easier for you and you don't have to think about it. To me, it's just like the more you do it, the more confidence you're going to build because you're proving to yourself that you can do it, right? And when you prove to yourself you can do it consistently, you're going to be more confident. I feel like we covered a lot of really good topics. I'm glad we touched on men's mental health. And I think you spoke to a lot of just like straight realness. Because a lot of this stuff I really needed, like I myself really needed to hear. Um, And so I'm sure we are not alone Mm -hmm. in this, Jen, in that a lot of people need to hear a lot of what you said. So I feel like, I feel like you hit, all the good points. I love that. You're on a um, roll. You are hot tonight. You're like, I don't know if you, deliver. <laughs> you delivered, girl. Let me tell get you. Get your head moving right there. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I'll probably just wrap it up with like, what message do you want to leave the audience with? Yeah. So, I mean, you guys can find me on Instagram. It's going to be Gallegos underscore zero one. Um, I am working on a website. So, whenever I get that up, I'll have that on there. But If I can tell you guys anything, it's like if you are struggling with like mental health, if you are wanting a way to improve, start with the two things you can control, your nutrition and your training. It is always under control. So don't lie to yourself. Don't say you don't have time. Don't say that, you know, you got other stuff going on. Like, dude, your health comes first. If you're not healthy, you're not going to show up your best. Focus on you. And again, just start with the two things. 
really quick, I just want to say thank you, Jose, and thank you, Carla, um, because there really is a correlation between mental health and physical health, really overall social well-being. I was actually doing some research, um, and it was saying that studies show that exercise can treat mild to moderate depression as effectively as antidepressant uh, medication without side effects. Um, and it said there was a study in Harvard found that running for 15 minutes a day or walking for an hour reduces the risk of major depression by 26%. So having you two together is so amazing that it worked out. Just having two professionals really have that knowledge and expertise kind of put it together, especially at the end of Health and Hustle is pretty amazing because we think of it as two separate things, right? Of mental health and physical and work, 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 work. And we're trying to reach all of our goals. And then we we try to tackle all these things at three different times, right? We do our career goals first, our personal goals first, and then we do our mental health when it's way too, it's already like some red flags, right? And then we try to circle back and do this, take care of my body, right? I don't know. That's just me personally. I don't know if anyone else is. It's really hard to do all three at the same time. So I really appreciated all of your insight, Jose, and really think that all of the all the things that you said really matter trusting your your coach and the lifestyle and not putting your um, physical health and mental health ever on the back burner especially when it's a busy schedule and to planning ahead that's what I took away from the episode so thank you and thank you Carla for health and hustle and all of your expertise and everything um Totally an honor having both of you here today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for just having me on again. It was a pleasure.